lifetime value of a customer to your business? It's one of these magic holy grail type numbers that businesses and marketers like to look at. If we can figure out what the value of one customer will be over a lifetime of purchases doing business with you, well, you can start to do some pretty interesting calculations on the front end. You know, how much money do you want to apply to acquire that first customer? But it comes in conflict with the idea of getting business in now. It's this delicate balance of thinking long term, but also taking care of the short term. To talk about that today, I'm joined by two other Wizard of Ads partners. Dave Young is in Tucson, Arizona. Chuck McKay is in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm here in Springfield, Illinois. And we're going to start with Chuck McKay just talking about the concept of lifetime value of a customer. You want to know? How much does a customer spend at each time? How many times is he going to spend that from his first purchase to his last? And that is his lifetime value. How do you know when the last purchase is? Mm -hmm. Depending upon what it is you're buying, you could say, well, if he hasn't bought anything in the last year, he's no longer a current customer. What if it's a refrigerator? Right. You don't buy one of those every year. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a little bit of juggling that is necessary for any of this but basically once a person becomes a customer how much can we expect him to spend with us that's that's the definition here's the part that gets really interesting former boss of mine when i was a much younger man said you know you can grow your company so fast you can go bankrupt really how does that work well you start growing and you need to um, add more staff to handle the new customers, but you not you don't have the new money coming in as fast as your uh, your new payroll is going out, so that can kill you. And if you're selling on credit, that can kill you. And, and that's that's the thing. If you are if you are not careful, if you're looking at oh here's how much this is going to be worth to us long term, but you don't look at the cash flow in the meantime. You can literally bankrupt your company by growing too quickly. One of the things a lot of business owners don't take into account when they look at something that's seemingly as simple as the lifetime value of a customer calculation is uh, your product purchase cycle. It, it makes it super hard to calculate it uh, depending on, on what that cycle is. If you're a restaurant and the lifetime value of a customer is if I can get them coming in once a week, right? That's pretty easy math. Uh, but if you're an air conditioner company or a roofer, uh, how often do you need to buy a new roof for your house? So how do you calculate uh, the lifetime value of a roofing customer? It's probably one purchase. Probably. If you don't take into account that uh, product purchase cycle, um, and, and I think the longer the product purchase cycle, the harder it is to come up with the, the calculation of what the lifetime value of a customer is when you're just looking at that one uh, customer or trying to do an average, uh, because you don't know, you don't know how long that roof's gonna last. I mean, you can put a warranty on it for something, but are you gonna get repeat business? They might sell their house before. So there are instances maybe where, um, where lifetime customer value maybe doesn't even apply. I mean, I guess those are probably extreme situations where, yeah, you only need a roof every 20 years. So you may only run into this once, maybe twice in your life. Um, but we know we're gonna need a bed every seven years and we're gonna get a car every two or three years. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where that, uh, that calculation of 
building that relationship comes in. So how do you solidify that relationship? So it's not just a transaction this one time, but that you're still in their brain seven years from now when they need you again. Right. And what are you willing to pay for that first transaction to yeah. get that customer to begin with? Are you ready? Okay. Will you take a loss to get the first one? You know, I, I've I, seen I that. The, the, it illustrates the beauty of um, home service companies uh, putting together maintenance clubs, mm -hmm. right? Where if, if you just buy an air conditioner unit and only call them when it's broken, uh, and you calculate your lifetime value of customer that way, uh, you're going to get a wildly different number than if you've installed their air conditioner and you're getting $24 a month from them so that they can stay a customer. Uh, you're going to be seeing them, you know, uh, once or twice a year. And uh, I think it's, it's a little easier to assume that when uh, this unit finally fails, they're going to be a repeat customer. If you can switch from being that one-time transaction uh you know over the course of a decade or more to being something where you're selling them something all the time I, I think then the calculation of a lifetime value of a customer makes a whole lot more sense and it becomes a a, a metric that uh, can really have some value to track because you're, you're actually now doing things that are going to uh, affect it in a real serious way how many people do either of you know how many businesses have gone uh, whole hog with Groupon? Mm. Oh, it's, it's been a while uh, since I've run into that, but um, boy, the ones that did really got bit in the ass because uh, they, yeah, they, they got that lovely influx of people, but they didn't make a profit. Um, and worse and yet, when they went back to regular price, None of those discounted customers ever returned. I think that brings up the Bonnet and Field 60-40 rule that's, uh, that's been so important in the last few years in marketing, this idea that most of your marketing budget should be applied to brand building and doing these long-term relational things. But you can't forget that you know, 30 to 40% that needs to speak to the transactional to the now. Otherwise, Chuck, as you say, you'll, you'll go broke before you do that. Um, and that's a really delicate balance. What we're seeing, though, is that so many businesses, 70, 80% of them are pushing for the transactional now stuff uh, at the expense of building their brand. And so you don't have that relational thing living longer. Now, Chuck, you said, are, are, is a business, should a business even be willing to lose a little bit on that first sale to get the second sale? If we're going to use the Groupon example, you know, to extend that out, uh, a business would be wise to use that as an immense data collection moment uh, so that they can talk to those customers again and, hey, remember when you had that great meal? Hey, remember when you had that great time? Uh, so that at least you can recapture some of those at a profitable price. Uh, but I think so many businesses used it just to be a quick hit. Right. And, and I'm going to disagree with you, John. Gather, gathering a database of people who are not your customers is not going to accomplish much for you. That's a good point. Okay. Um, now, I worked with a restaurant in uh, Victorville, California years ago. I found a service that would give us a listing of all of the homes in the community that had been sold in the last seven days. And we sent letters out to them that said, um, uh, 
congratulations on your new house. Let's celebrate. I want to buy dinner for one member of your family. No, this isn't a, a sense off coupon. It's not buy one, get one. It's I'll buy dinner for one member of your family. It's a great investment on my part because when you come in and you try the, the uh, and we named several items, and said, you know, on Fridays, people have driven clear across town for our clam chowder. It's that good. Uh, we know you'll be back. And we tracked this thing carefully. We found that um, most people did come back. They really did. But we found that on that first transaction, after we paid for the purchase of the list, after we paid for the printing and the postage and the promotional food, we made a 7% profit every time one of those letters come through the door. It's not a spectacular profit, but considering we were right. prepared to lose money on that when it not turned losing. Yeah. Did you have a sense of what percentage of the people who got the free meal came back? John, I can go through my notes and maybe tell you, uh, I, it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Because that's the, well, food was free 20 years ago, Chuck. I mean, my God. <laughs> Uh, no, it, well, I think that's an important part of the calculation is we know we're going to get some people back. We're not going to get them all back. Um, what, what's the likelihood? You just have to do that math and maybe do, do the math three or four ways. If half of them come back, it's this. If 10% of them come back, it's that. Right. But all those numbers better have a profit attached but, to them. Well, here's the thing. Who goes all by themselves to get a free meal at a restaurant? Well, I, I'm lonely, so sometimes it's it's rare, right? You you, you take somebody else with you. And <laughs> right the new family that just moved into their new home, chances are you're gonna take uh, what, four people total? So you're comping one meal, but yeah. the other three are full price, and they still think they got a bargain. Yeah. So if you that makes sense. Well, yeah, they, I think I think there's another calculation that um, I've seen businesses do things like Groupon and fail to uh, really make sure that they're crafting uh, what that Groupon experience looks like with their staff. Um, there's there's a, a local uh, art school here that, that we've had some association with um, that my, my daughter used to work for, and they did a, a make-your-own-glass object Groupon. Well, there, there were a number of employees that when one of those came in the door, they kind of grumbled about it. Mm. You know, oh, another Groupon. And uh, rather than looking at it as, oh, here's somebody that's never touched molten glass before, never had this experience. Can we give them the type of experience that's going to turn them into someone that wants to take a class? Can we give them the type of experience that's going to turn them into someone that's going to bring someone back the next time they come? And uh, when you have a, a wildly disparate uh, reaction from your staff about, you know, uh, just the embracing of, of some kind of a discount or a Groupon, uh, you're going to get mixed results. Um, I, I talk a, a lot about... Um, what I call the experience, and you guys are familiar with the advertising performance equation. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's basically your share of voice times uh, your impact quotient of your ads equals your share of mind. Your share of mind times the personal experience factor of, of the experience you're delivering inside your doors uh, determines your share of market. Well, 
there exists in, in this form. It's not written out in the formula, but if you can up that personal experience factor enough, it feeds back into share of voice and becomes an accelerator for the whole calculation. And so you, you shouldn't do anything like a Groupon unless you plan on delivering some kind of over-the-top uh, experience. I mean, a free meal is a, is a great one, um, but it, it comes down to honing that experience, uh, which, which, is, which is what you ought to be doing for uh, figuring out customer uh, lifetime value anyway, right? You're, if, if you can up the experience, the lifetime value of any customer goes up uh, goes up accordingly. Uh, and if you're in a long product purchase cycle business and you can't figure out a way to turn somebody into an ongoing small purchase repeat customer, then you need to figure out a way to really up the experience of that one time in a decade that, that they're going to come in and, and do business with you. You got to figure out how to make that just knock their socks off so that you get that, that feedback, uh, uh, through the what, you know, the experience loop, feeding back into share of voice because they're now telling people about you, and that's that's the ultimate goal of uh, really delivering a, a really good experience is to increase the shareability of uh, of your business. Um, and that's the difference between adding value versus having a discount. If you can add value to something, you know, the, uh, the home service businesses that are doing so brilliantly with the, uh, the maintenance agreements, they just keep adding another thing and, oh, by the way, we'll do this and, oh, by the way, we'll do that uh, so that you'd be nuts to ever step away from yeah. them. Uh, but you, but you got to keep, keep ahead of them and keep innovating because um, uh, that's, that's the thing that's going to build that bond between you and your customer. Uh, a discount isn't going to build a bond other than to train them to wait for a discount. Jay Abraham, uh, quite a number of years ago, told about a coin dealer that he worked with. The dealer got a starter set of coins and with postage, it was $23. He sold them at cost. He did this ad campaign that said, you can get started in coin collecting with a new set of, uh, yeah, they're there. You can get started with uh, a set of coins and um, uh, they're only $23 each. He sold 60,000 of those. Okay, he broke even on, on almost $1.4 million worth of transactions. But within six months, 10% of them um, uh, bought another $1,000 worth of coins. And two months after that, 2,000 of the 6,000 that bought the, the second coins bought another $4,000 worth of additional coins. And finally, 500 of the original 60,000 uh, bought $10,000 worth of, of coins. So his total profit on this thing, the mailing, total profit worked out to be $19 million by giving away the first 60,000 of them. And how amazingly valuable are those 500 people who made it through to the fourth mailing and were still customers? I mean, th th those are your golden people. Those 500, you better know their wedding anniversary, oh. the names of their kids, uh, uh, which, uh, which uh, social clubs they belong to. You better send them a Christmas gift. Uh, it wouldn't hurt to send them a card on their birthday. You better treat those people like the gold they are. But my point is this, there were, there were back-end sales to be made and you take the entire 60,000, 
Only 500 of them turned out to be really, really good clients, but the entire 60,000 averaged $317 each. Mm -hmm. That's the average of 60,000. They all spent $317 beyond the 23. Now that's misleading because obviously some of them spent nothing beyond that, but we're talking averages here. Mm -hmm. And so if you know you can keep on selling them and upselling them, even if it becomes smaller and smaller numbers, uh, this is total lifetime value. Well, the, uh, even the second mailing where they sold 6,000 of them uh, is nothing to shake a stick at. Right. Yeah. And they started turning a profit at the second mailing, but they had to be willing to get burned the first time. Well, they broke even the first time. Broke even, yeah. Okay, so they, they moved almost $1.4 million at break even. If you can figure out ways to add to the lifetime value of a typical customer, you don't have to make a lot of money at any given time because you have created a steady stream of income. You know, I, I think you brought up a, a really great point talking about those 500 that spent, what, 10000 each? I mean, these were these are the heavy hitters, uh, as you said. You know, get you better know their birthdays, and their anniversaries. You better know them really well because they're your most important people, and they're the ones that are probably bragging and showing people their coins. Uh, are either of you familiar with RFM analysis, recency, frequency, and monetary value? Hmm. Okay, uh, I did this with a um, um, auto repair shop a number of years ago. Um, we we sorted his, I, I think he had 1,700 active customers in his database. We sorted it by when did they purchase last? Somebody who purchased yesterday got a five. Somebody who purchased years ago got a one. And we broke it into what they call quintiles, equal groups of, of five. So, the recent ones were fives. The not-so-recent ones were one. Then we did the same thing for how many times did they buy from you. This was the frequency component. Again, from five on down to one. And finally, how much did they spend on their repairs? The biggest numbers got the five. The lowest numbers got the one. Then we just multiplied the value of each of those scores. Five times five times five is a hundred and a quarter. One times one times one is three, right? And and I looked at it and I said, if I were you, I would never solicit another purchase uh, to this bottom 20%. Hmm. I think you're losing money every time they come in here. You're definitely losing money if you invite them in. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need to turn down their business, but stop inviting them. We worked it out. I think there were 83 customers that made up something like 80% of his business, 83 out of uh, 1,700. Those were his golden customers. Yeah. And and that was when I first said, learn when their kids graduating high school and send, and send a gift. Make sure, make sure to send a bottle of wine on their wedding anniversaries. Uh, because these are the people that are, that are making you very, very profitable. What kind of questions or thoughts do you have about this? Would love to hear from you in the comment section below or send an email to Chuck, to Dave, or to me. Here are our email addresses.